Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Freely you've received, freely give. In other words, Jesus was telling the disciples to live with an open hand, right? And so many times we're free to receive. <laughs> Come on. How many of you love receiving? Come on. But it's difficult to give and you know come you know christmas is right around the corner we all know how it was when we were kids man we love to receive gifts but as we get a little bit older we learn to give and we learn the blessing and we, we we start to understand that man maybe it's true what the bible says maybe it really is better to give than receive right but how many know that we talked about this last week that in order to understand that it's better to give than receive you actually have to do it to experience that i mean because you know, we're all born takers. And so we got to learn to be givers. And so that mindset is just like, oh man, come on, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. And, and so many times it's just like, we love to receive, but God really wants us to be like him. Come on, because we're most like God when we're giving, that we would be a giving people. I want to tell you this morning that it's the will of God that you're generous. It's God's will that you're generous. It's not, there are some generous people that God has just, you know, given that person a gift of generosity. And there probably are people that have that gift, that natural inkling, just like that there might be the gift to, to do other things, other Christ, Christian disciplines. Some people just might naturally be that way. But it's God's will that we're a generous people. It's God's will. Uh, the, the greatest scandal of the age is when a believer will withhold what God has given him. It's a scandal. It's, it's, it's scandalous. We're robbing the world whenever God gives us something and we hold on and we keep it to ourselves. All God's gifts are to be multiplied. Are you with me? All God's gifts are to be multiplied. He wants to pour in and through us. If we're ever just a recipient, only a recipient, then we've missed it. That's why our God is the God of more than enough. Because if it was just enough, then we would hold it. But my God is the God of more than enough because everything that he gives me, he's just asking me to steward it. And we're going to talk about stewardship next week. But again, the greatest scandal of the age is when a believer with, will withhold what God has given him. And 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 says that you would be enriched in every way. How many ways? Every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. Most of us, we don't live this. I don't know anybody that, that's really doing that, right? That are being generous on every occasion. I'm learning. <laughs> Come on. And I hope you're learning with me that I'm being generous and I want to be. My heart is going to be generous on every occasion. Every occasion, even when I get bad service. Even when I, my bank account is empty. That I be generous on every occasion. Even though Christmas is coming, be generous on every occasion. And let me just say this to you today. Um, our pastor that we had the, the privilege of serving under, Leslie, most of her life, but um, for me, for 11 years, used to say this all the time. He used to say, payday doesn't only always come on Friday. And so I encourage you some of the, I believe that, that in this series, we've seen, you know, we, we always hear testimonies all the time of God providing and showing up, checks in the mail, all this kind of stuff. But I've, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks that there's, that, that, the generous spirit has been challenged by obstacles that would come in and be like, do you really believe it? Or are you only going to be generous when it's easy? And so some of you have received uh, extra bills. I know for me, my business, I'm a business owner, has slowed down, right? And so it's easy to preach generosity whenever all my needs appear to be met. 
right? But the test is, is how generous are we really, or is it just conditional upon my circumstance? And so can I tell you today that payday doesn't come always come on Friday, and it is more costly to withhold than it is to give. It always is. And we've got to understand that through good times and bad times, through light, through dark, that, that it's a lifestyle. It's not circumstantial. Generosity is a lifestyle. Now, it might look different. It might have a different amount on it this month. My generosity, I'm not talking about your tithe. We'll talk about that next week when we talk about stewardship. That's, a, that's something that's set. But when we're talking about generosity going above and beyond what is required, are you with me? Um, that's what we're talking about. Am I going to be moved in my generosity by what comes around me? Or do I really believe it? And so I just encourage y'all, you know, hold tight. Understand that, that it will be tested. Every faith move, listen, every faith move we make will be tested. It will be tested. Are you with me? Every faith move will be tested. That's why we, the, James says the testing of your faith, because our faith will always be tested. But can I tell you today that, that God wants it on every occasion? And he says this, and it's in your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The enemy wants to rob you of the honor of being generous. He wants to convince to you that, that you can't be generous, Right? Now listen, generosity, we're not talking about an amount, right? The most generous person in Scripture, we've talked about this before, is the widow that gave everything that she had. Less than a cent, what she gave. And our our money, less than a cent. But Jesus said she was the most generous person in the room. So we're not talking about an amount. Some of you can give a million dollars. I'm prophesying. Right? Um, and I shared, I, I hit on this a couple of weeks ago when, when I was youth pastoring in Odessa, we were kind of working kind of an inner city ministry and we had all these kids and we still took up an offering. You know, some, I didn't want to rob them of the blessing of them not giving. We didn't have an eye expectation that the offerings would be tons of money, right? Because they were living in poverty, right? All these kids were in the projects. We'd go and pick them up. But I started noticing and it started breaking my heart that every week that we would look in the offering bucket and there would be blockbuster gift cards and there would be lollipops and there would just be, they were giving what they had. And it wasn't about an amount. It wasn't about money, but they wanted to be generous. They wanted to be like God. So really generosity is more about what's left than what's actually given. Wow. So I want to talk today about a few generosity killers, and I believe that these are mindsets uh, that will creep in, things that will creep in and try to keep you from being generous. So when we talk about being generous this morning, I'm not trying to get from you. I'm trying to give to you. I'm trying to impart to you a desire to be more generous. We're not talking about just giving to your church. Is that part of it? Yes, absolutely. But I'm talking about your lifestyle, how you're acting when somebody cuts you off in traffic, how you're, how you're acting when someone offends you or talks about your mama. That's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about how good your waiter is to you. And how good you are to your waiter, right? We're talking, that will be tested, right? Come on. You know, I've had to, you know, I've always had this attitude about a place that I go to and that I don't actually get served. I just buy food and there's a place on there to leave a tip. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like you go and you order your food and it's like a tip amount. I'm like, tip amount? Like you're not serving me, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And I kind of have an attitude. Well, that's been tested lately in me. I'm like, oh. So what kind of percentage am I supposed to be giving this guy? Because he didn't come out behind the counter, right? 
I mean, it'd be easy to, to tip at Chick-fil-A. They don't even ask for it. And they're like coming out. You know what I'm saying? So that's the mindset. But I'm like, generosity doesn't really have to do with them. It has to do with me. So anyway, there's just all these mindsets that we got to. And the thing is, is what I've got to realize is I can afford it. I can afford to be generous. In fact, I can't afford not to be. Because I'm rich. Not in my bank account. But I'm royalty. My God owns, my daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. When there's a pothole, he fills it with gold. <laughs> right? Come on. All right. So these are, these are three things this morning I'm going to share with you. The first is materialism. Materialism. Now, this is the great God of America, right? What is the American dream? To have this, to go to the right school, to have the right picket fence, to have the right house, to have the right car. I want a higher paying job so I can live in a bigger house, drive a nicer car, have a higher electric bill, eat at fancier restaurants, right? It's want, 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 want. We might also call that the love of money. We would call that the love of money, but really, sometimes it's not necessarily about the green, but it's about what we can get with the green. It's materialism. So materialism really is the love of money. Jesus ran into this guy in Luke chapter 18. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Jesus was testing him. You know the commands. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Jesus didn't mention coveting, which I'm sure he would be guilty of. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, you still lack one thing. You still lack one thing. I know you think you're measuring up because you're living the right life, but you're lacking one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven then come follow me oh when he heard this he became sad because he was a man of great wealth and Jesus looked at him and said how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God indeed it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God and if you know the story the disciples will say well who anybody anybody who who can come in who can come in lord and he's like with god with god all things are possible and we see this story and see the the problem with money is that money promises what only god can provide Right? If I can have enough money, I'll be secure. If I can have enough money, I'll be happy. I'll have peace. Money cannot buy those things. Only God can provide those things. Only God can provide joy. Only God can provide peace. Money doesn't bring those things. So the problem with money is we think that money promises, or, or, or we think that money can give to us only what God can provide. So money promises what only God can provide. The problem with the love of money is that the love of money nurtures in us an independent spirit. Independence, right? I don't really need God. So here's a guy that wanted to follow Jesus, but he didn't really need Jesus. Did he? He had all the accolades. He had all the accomplishments. He'd been doing all the right stuff. He didn't need Jesus. He needed his things more. And that's why he couldn't sell those things in order to follow Jesus. Can I tell you today that you need need? Think about when your prayer life is the best. <laughs> right? 
Should it be that way? No, it shouldn't be that way, but it's, it's human nature. I'm not saying it's the right nature. It's the wrong nature that says, I'm going to cling to God when I need him most. Most of us, the, 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 the most intense times that we've ever had with the Lord is whenever we've needed him the most. Right? Come on. I mean, I know we preach relationship. That's, that's where it's at. It's not about your need. It's about just communion with the Lord. Absolutely, that's where we need to be. But you need and I need need. Because when we have need, it makes us dependent upon him. So generosity has zero to do with your need. Right? Okay. You need need. Now, we talked last week about rich. And if you make, you know, what was it, $15,000 a year, that you're in the top 3% of the world, right? Forbes list. That's you. Now, most of us make at least 15 grand a year. If you don't, then you're still rich if you're making over 10 grand a year according to the world global population. You could look at that list later if you would like or look at the notes from last week or listen to the podcast. Most of us are rich in comparison. No, I'm not rich. You, you are rich. Speaking of the culture of the day, that Jesus was dealing with, you are rich. Your needs are provided for. You have AC in your car, right? You're rich. You have a car, three, top 3% of the world. You have a car, okay? Check this out. This is a warning that Paul gives uh, to the people in, in 1 Timothy. And he says this, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires, to plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, money isn't the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, right? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving more have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world, which I believe that would include us, not to be proud and not to trust their money. What is the problem? What's the problem of being rich? Does it teach us independence? That's really what p- most people want. Most people want independence. They don't want to have to have a job that they go to to answer to anybody. They don't want to have bills. So we mostly want independence. God mostly wants our dependence upon him. It's actually, can I tell you today that depending on others is actually, in some sense, a, gr- a good thing. It's good to depend upon community. The disciples depended upon one another. God in the midst, God the source, but they were depended together in community. This is why they were so powerful. They weren't independent. Nothing they had, it says that nothing that they had was their own. Dang. That's community. <laughs> Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and to trust their money, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Sweet. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for their future so that they may experience true life. Can I tell you today that if you think more money is the answer to your problems, the money has its hold on you. More money 
And we'll talk about this a little bit next week when we talk about stewardship. Most of us don't need more money. We need to be more better managers of the money that we have. And what's great about stewardship, and we'll talk about this next week, is when we're faithful with little, God makes us ruler over much. The, the, I love what Bill Johnson says. He, he says it's actually selfish to not pray for increase in blessing. It's actually selfish because if you don't have increase, then you can't be more of a blessing. So if that's our motivation, most of us just want more to have more and to be blessed. What I've found is whenever we're, whenever we're really faithful in what we have, that God makes us rule over much that doesn't necessarily, be a, uh, necessarily mean that we're going to have more things. <clears throat> we have more to steward, which usually would imply more things, but not always. We need to start seeing ourselves as, stop seeing ourselves like a basket and start seeing ourselves more like a funnel. Right? Everybody say I'm a funnel. You're not a basket. You're a funnel. And we're, again, I know it's weird talking about money in church. We already took up the offering. So, just so you know. Check this out. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. It's an unending crave in us to have more things, to have more stuff, to have more money for the purpose of having more, more money. One of the, the easiest ways to know how materialistic we are, and I would say that, yes, I am materialistic. I, I will say that. I am materialistic. One of the ways to know how materialistic I am and to, to get rid of that materialistic spirit is to, to see how much of my money that I'm giving away. I'm not just talking about tithing to church. I'm not talking just about extra giving to church. I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about outside. You need to give to church. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. I'm just talking about how much money am I giving away? How much of my stuff am I giving away? How much of my stuff is not my stuff? How much am I willing to share? Because it's not just about money. It's also about my time. How generous am I with my time? Well, that's my time. I, this is where I struggle, right? Because you call me at like 7 o'clock. That's my time. Okay. Right? Why? Because we're selfish with our time. I don't have time to serve. Sunday's my day off. Right? I can't come do whatever. I can't give any more time. I don't have any more time. I'm busy. I'm busy. Y'all know my opinion on that. It's the most insulting thing you can tell somebody. How are you doing? I'm busy. Are you busy or are you selfish with your time? Okay. Um, offended? Okay. <laughs> so how, much, how, how stingy are you with your time? How much time are you giving? How much time are you investing? I'm not talking about just at church. That's great. Uh, where are you giving in other places? Where it doesn't benefit you, let me say this, where it doesn't benefit your family. My kids, I've got a t they are so spoiled on time. They don't want to do anything. Friday hits after school, they just want to sit at home all weekend. 
I'm having to draw, purge that from them because I want them to understand that they need to be generous with their time. They need to be generous with their energy. They need to work on that. Y'all all right? I'm just being real with you. I need to work on that because sometimes I'm like, well, that's my day off. I understand that you need a day off. You need to have a Sabbath. You need to have rest. But you don't need to worship rest or your time. All right, moving along. Greed, listen, and we, again, greed isn't just money. Greed is the highest expression of selfishness. Selfish means self-first. Selfish, self-first. We're least like God when we're putting ourselves first. And, and the thing is, is the gospel so much in America has really been about God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Come receive what God can give you. This has kind of become the gospel. That isn't what Jesus came preaching. Jesus came preaching, give your life, give yourself, follow my example. You make me happy. I want to be around people that benefit me. Selfish. I want to be a blessing to people. In that you find life. In that you find life. Y'all all right? <clears throat> if you have to put yourself first, it's because you can't find the value in others. It's greed. If you have to put yourself first, it's because you can't find value in others. Can you imagine if God put himself first? You know, you got all these people that are angry at God. Right? They call themselves atheist. They're actually angry theist <laughs> most of the time. Right? They're just mad at God, mad. God's selfish, and who is he? I'm like, he gave Jesus. Like, how? S- <laughs> he gave everything. Do you understand the magnitude of what, it, what God has given us in Jesus? Do we understand that? How grateful are we what God has given us in Jesus? <clears throat> so, materialism is tough. Second, second mindset is this, a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset. Now, we lived, I got to live 11 years in a city that is very controlled by a spirit of poverty. In El Paso, very much a, a poverty-driven uh, city. Um, it's corrupt, a lot of the government there and that kind of thing. And I'm not, I'm not speaking out necessarily against it, but there is a spirit that really rules over that city, a spirit of poverty. Uh, but, it, but it starts in a mindset. How many know that a, that a mindset opens a way to the spirit, right? That's why Jesus said you've got to change your mind because when we change our mind, then we open up ourselves, we open up our heart, we open our spirit. When we talk about poverty, we're not talking about a demographic, now, I also want you to understand that we're not talking about being poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit is actually means to depend upon God. When Jesus said that, blessed are those in poor in spirit, he's saying being like a beggar in spirit. In other words, the, the disposition of our spirit towards God is, I need you. But we are not needy of anything else. And poverty says, spirit of poverty says, is, is more than not having. It's a spirit that is fearful of not having. Okay? Um, can I tell you this, that, that, having a spirit of poverty or a mindset of poverty is just as controlling as greed. It's just as controlling. Now, we want to feel sorry for people that have that mindset, but we do know justice catering to it. Everybody say this with me. Say, I am royalty. Jesus came. Well, you can repeat that if you want to, but Jesus came. Jesus came. Listen. To make you royalty. To make you a child of the king. Are you with me? Uh, the thing is, is the spirit of poverty is driven by fear. 
Fear is an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit is what? Someone who lacks. Lacking a father and mother. It's an orphan spirit. So we walk around going, oh, I'm just so, oh, I can't afford, I can't, mm, I can't ever order the steak. Now, you don't know what need to order the steak every time because that can be just as much of a poverty spirit. I've seen, I see poor people go into restaurants and blow hundreds of dollars. That can be a spirit of poverty as well because you're trying to cater to this need you have to have things. And then I've seen rich people, people that are rich in spirit, order the cheapest thing on the menu. Because they're just good stewards. The thing is finding where are you at? How are you driven? How are you wired? Are you doing it out of poverty? Or are you doing it out of royalty? So fear driven is an orphan spirit. An orphan is defined by his lack. So is, so is poverty. Okay. So we have this, this spirit in, in, of the age that is an orphan spirit. It, it lives like, oh, I just, I need all these things. Takers, you know, um, one of the things that we recognized when we were living in El Paso is that you offered something for free. I'm talking like people fighting for it, no matter how valuable the thing was, because it was free. No cutting me off in traffic. Get, you're not going to get in front of me in line. Why? Because that is a spirit of poverty. It's a spirit that says, you won't get the best of me. Royalty says, go right ahead. I, I can afford it. Five more dollars on top of my tip. That's not going to break the bank. I'm not tipping you. Orphan. I can't afford. You stop that. You can't afford. You have everything you need according to godliness, for, for godliness and righteousness in Jesus. You have everything you need. Listen, you can't afford to tip, then don't go out to eat. Cook for yourself. Or order something cheaper so you can be more of a blessing. <laughs> All the waiters and waitresses say, man. All right, so listen, you have not received, Romans 8, you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. That orphan spirit, your slave, I'm working for the money, I work hard, I go every day, right? I hate my job. Would you stop serving your job like you're serving money and start, ser- start doing your job like you're serving Jesus? Then you, then you will do the most ridiculous task like a king. You'll, ser- you'll do it at a heart of a servant. Even though they're paying for you, you go in with, ro- you're a royal servant, you're kingly, but you're serving people like a king. You're not going in, oh, I hate this dress job, sucks so bad. And I just, oh, God, will give me a better job. Listen, maybe God does want to promote you, but maybe God also wants you to go in and serve where you're at and then prosper you where you're at. But he really wants to work on your heart towards the job that you hate. You're not working for money. You're working for God. No matter what you're doing, whether you're a preacher Like I'm doing right now, I'm working. And you might go to a job tomorrow that you hate on Monday and not enough coffee. But are you willing to go in like royalty? You're not working for the dollar. You're working for the king. You're a prince. You're son of the king. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Well, if I don't go to work, I'm not going to have enough money. That's true. You need to go to work because you won't have money and God won't provide for you if you don't work. Scripture's clear on this. 
Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. So, an orphan is defined by his lack. A son is defined by whose house he's a part of. And so, you, you, your house, you, you're part of the house of God, the, the family of God. Your God is, is more than enough. More, 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 more than you can imagine enough. You, you are blessed. If God never did another thing for you, you are blessed. He's going to, but you're blessed right now where you're at. <clears throat> you're a child. But what generosity does is the thing is the th- same thing that would rob us because what happens is I can't be generous, I can't be German. What happens is when you're generous and you're thinking like that, it, it transitions your thinking. I'm finding, and, and just in small areas where I'm, I'm dealing on this with my life, I'm finding when I go in that whenever I feel like that I'm having to be more of a blessing, when I'm, when I'm having to be more generous, whether it be in my attitude or whether it be in my money, what I'm finding is that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit um, confident, Godfident. I'm not, I'm not prideful, but I'm like, I'm an ambassador. I'm here to bless you today. That is my mindset. I'm acting like royalty. I'm not like, oh, oh gosh, <sighs> let me just write the chat. I don't know how I'm going to do it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm there to be a blessing, wherever it is. Uh, these are some things, real quick, just a little list for you. Uh, let me say this generosity takes you from the place of poverty to princehood. So when you're generous, you start seeing yourself like that ambassador, like that prince. I represent the kingdom of God. What do you do for a living? Uh, wash cars for the king of glory. Right? I wait tables. I serve people. But I'm working for God. I'm representing my king. The spirit of poverty is driven by fear. The spirit of royalty is driven by love. The spirit of poverty hold on, hold, holds on with greed. The spirit of royalty blesses with generosity. The spirit of poverty looks for a handout. The spirit of royalty looks to handout. You got that? So spirit of poverty says, oh, what can I get for free? What can you do for me? Spirit of royalty says, what can I do for you? The spirit of poverty says, is fear, uh, has a fear of losing what they have. The spirit of royalty is concerned about that they can't help others. That should be our greatest concern financially is that we can't take care of others. A spirit of poverty justifies lack of generosity. I just don't have it. The spirit of royalty is generous with what they have. What's in your possession? The spirit of poverty is a victim of events and circumstances. Well, this happened, so I'm this way. This happened, so I'm this way. The spirit of royalty is identified by how Jesus set them free. This, uh, your attitude sometimes is a spirit of poverty, an orphan spirit. Well, you know, this thing happened to me like 20 years ago. Or last week. I'm just having a hard time getting over it. Listen, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm maximizing the, the reality that Jesus set you free. <clears throat> the spirit of poverty is easily offended. Listen, the, the, the spirit of the age right now is offense. That's a poverty-driven, that's an orphan spirit. 
I'm just so offended. Who cares? Nobody cares that you're offended. That offends me. That offends me. The church is offended. I'm like, Jesus came and he was, the king of glory came and he was not offended. (laughs) They offended him not. It says in scripture that he was not offended. They killed him. He wasn't offended. They didn't take my life. I gave it. You want it? Okay, here. No offense here. If anybody has a right to be offended, it's God. Who are you to be offended? When we are royalty, we have a hard time justifying offense. So, the spirit of poverty. So the first is materialism. Number two, killer is poverty mindset. Number three is an ungrateful spirit. An ungrateful spirit. Um, what happens is we, we go out and we work for our money or we have our time or whatever it is, and we go, it's my money. Don't tell me what to do with my money, preacher. Oh, so it's your money. Who's your God again? So it's your money. Check this out. Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the power to gain wealth. See, you don't even have a breath to breathe to earn money, your money. It's God's. It's all God's. Don't give me this. Don't tell me what to do with my money. I know. Don't tell me what to do with my time. I know because it's your time and your money. And it's your attitude. And it's your choice. And the problem is, is we've eliminated the lordship of Jesus from our life. And we say, Lord, I want you as my Savior. Oh, Savior. Savior. Sometimes I don't even, I'm so turned off sometimes. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. I'm turned off sometimes by, by how we use the word Savior. Because we say Savior and we mean that I'm rescued from all that is bad. Whenever we say Savior, we're saying you rescued me from myself, from my attitude. You rescued me and brought me into lordship. I love the the term Savior, but what are we saved from? Hell, yes. But you're saved from yourself. You're saved from an ungrateful spirit. When we Listen, when we begin to recognize that all we have belongs to God, it reminds us that everything he has belongs to us. It's ownership. Let me say that again. When we begin to recognize that all we have belongs to God, it reminds us that everything he has belongs to us. It's the spirit of royalty. And then it stirs faith for us to believe in things that are not yet in our possession. So what happens is we say, oh, everything I have belongs to God. Accept, right? And then God's like, yeah, and everything I have belongs to you. When we get that revelation, we begin to have faith for the things that are not in our possession. We're like, well, everything I have is the Lord's. So if I don't have it, I'm not supposed to have it. Right? God's will, God's bill. And so what happens is it develops a trust in us for the, and a hope in us for the things that are not yet in my possession. Y'all all right? Listen, God has given you far more than you can ever earn. God has given you far more than you can ever earn. You can never earn this great salvation. 
You could never earn this great love that God has for you. You could never earn the blessings and the richness of heaven. You could never earn it. But he gives it to you freely. Freely you receive. Freely give. Aren't you grateful? It's the spirit of generosity is gratefulness. It's a man, oh God, I'm so grateful that everything that I have is yours and everything that you have is mine. I'm so grateful that I'm not in charge of my life because I've done that before and I screwed it up. I mean, isn't that the level playing field with Jesus? I did it. It was my life. I had control. I had the keys and I made a mess of it. And it was, no matter how good it was in the world's eyes, it stunk in the nostrils of God. And he said, I like you, I want you, and I'll give myself to have you. Is that enough? Yeah, it's enough. I'm so grateful. God has given us far more than we can ever earn. Real quick, practices of a generous lifestyle. So these are, these are roadblocks, things that we need to watch from. Materialism, poverty, an ungrateful spirit. Practices of a generous lifestyle. Number one, grow in contentment. Grow in contentment. The only, the only thing that I can find in Scripture that I, that I found in Scripture that we are called to be content on are things. Are things. Look, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Now, this is Paul. He's like, I've been poor, and I've been rich, financially speaking. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says this. We love this verse. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Other words, it's not the money or the resources, or the outside elements that cause me to have strength. My strength comes from Him. He is my strength. This is the thing, guys. We've got to be content with what we have. If, if we are all, it's never enough, it's never enough, and never enough things, it's that materialism, it'll never be enough. It'll never, never be enough. It'll never be enough. We'll never have enough gadgets, we'll never have a big enough house, we'll never have a high enough car, nice enough car or eat at the nicest restaurant. It's always going to be this thing that says I can't have enough. Grow in contentment. I'm good here. I'm good right here. My car is good enough. Number two, enter a lifestyle of, of giving. Bless somebody. Donate something. I love Leslie, how she just, she just wants to give people stuff all the time. I'm like, you give that to them? Yeah, Awesome. You didn't ask me. <laughs> right? So, serve a broken person. Love on somebody. Loving is giving. Y'all okay today? All right. Make a giving commitment. Make a giving commitment before you have the resources to give it. God, I'm going to give $10,000 this year. We made a commitment, um, was it two years ago? <laughs> uh, we were, we were, we've always been tithers. We've always been generous at, at other times. We've always been generous with our things and always been generous with people, our attitudes. And uh, about a year, was it a year ago or two years ago? 
Leslie and I said, you know, when we moved out here, we didn't have a guaranteed. We, I mean, we were really being generous, just saying, God, you're calling us to do this. We're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it. And God just started providing. We were really worried about our finances. And um, and so after we moved out here, um, we were living here for a year. And I, re- I heard Bill Johnson preach about that he had never given less than 20% of his income. And I was challenged by that. I was like, man, God, I was like, I don't know that I could do 20. And I told us, I was like, I don't know that we could do 20%, but let's do 15 and so we, we started tithing. Now, the tithe is obviously 10%. So we, we, get, we, we committed to giving an extra 5% of our income that we, didn't, we couldn't afford. And we said, we're going to do this. And can I tell you, the thing that we were concerned about when we moved out here, of not having enough, we've made more money. And it's not about money, but listen, and I'm not bragging, but we've made more money since we've decided to do that than I've ever had someone else paying my paycheck. My business, my, my personal business, well, I'll talk a little bit about that next week, has increased. Um, even the, the things that we do, we've seen more pleasure on it. The church has grown, all these kind of things. And, and listen, Monday is, is an indicator, but it's also a leader. We'll talk a little bit about that next week as well. And what we've noticed is just, just the, the blessing of God has just fallen on us. And we're like, how do we how do we make that much money this month? Like, where did it come from? We don't even know. But we made a commitment to do something that we couldn't even afford to do at the time. And I'm not, listen, I'm not asking of you to do that today, but, but I would encourage you to do that. To make life, giving a lifestyle. So I'm not just going to give, I'm going to do more than what's quote unquote required. Right? Because that's what generosity is. Generosity isn't doing what's required. Right? That's the problem with principled living. What's the percentage? What's, what's, what's the, when you say that, you're saying, what's the roof? When, when I look at what's required, I'm like, well, okay, that's the floor. What can I build off of? Okay, so, and then be grateful in speech. Um, in 2009, we started this thing uh, called Seven Days of Gratefulness. It's in the app. You guys can click it on the info section. It's basically, we said, okay, for seven days leading up to Thanksgiving, we're going to, to uh, be grateful for one thing every day. We're going to focus on something we're grateful for and an attribute of God. And so, and then we said, but on top of that, <coughs> we're not going to complain. We're not, going to big, we're not going to talk about how bad the government is or how screwed up ISIS is or how bad the world. We're not going to do any of that for a week. I'm not going to complain about one single thing. I'm only going to focus on the goodness of God. I'm only going to focus on what God has given me and who he is. That's all I'm going to focus on. So no, none of this garbage about complaining about anything, even if you have the quote-unquote right to complain. I'm not going to complain how I was treated at work or how I was raised or my situations or my circumstance or my past. I'm not going to complain about anything. I'm just going to express gratitude. That's all I'm going to do. Not, not like the Pharisees either that were like, oh, Lord, we thank you that we're not like them. That's not expressing gratitude. <laughs> right? Jesus talked to the religious that. You pray like this. Oh, I thank you, God, that I'm not like these filthy heathens. We laugh, but we do that all the time. Oh, the world just don't know. They're so rotten. You got to pray for my, you know what I call it? That's called Christian gossip. Oh, you need to pray for them. Let me tell you what they did. Have you talked to them? Oh, no. You know what they did? Have you talked to them? So be grateful in your speech. So I'd encourage you, there's a website, all the kind of stuff you guys can enter into that. I would encourage you that. Um, we'll kind of be posting some of that stuff on social media and stuff the next couple of days. But it's in your app, just a little bit of detail. Make a commitment for a week. For a week starting today, saying, I'm not going to complain, not one time. 
And if I do, I'm going to shut my mouth and give God glory in that moment and ask him for forgiveness. Forgive me, God, for saying that, for slandering. I know they shouldn't have done it. but Just bite your tongue. Bite your fingers from the keyboard. I can't tell you how many comments I've deleted over the past. I've deleted a lot more comments than I've left. <laughs> Come on. Well. And number four, exercise forgiveness. Forgiving. Forgiveness. Exercise forgiving. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgave you. Listen, unforgiveness is the byproduct of ungratefulness. Unforgiveness is the byproduct of ungratefulness. I'm going to share with you guys a story as we're closing today. But listen, it is an orphan spirit to be unforgiving. Are you with me? It's an orphan spirit to be unforgiving. A spirit of offense is an orphan spirit. If you find yourself easily being offended, then you have a forgiveness issue. We should be a people that will say, I will, nothing can offend me. What, are, what, are they, what can somebody do to me or to this world in contrast is greater than what Jesus has done? In contrast, nothing compares. I'm not saying that we don't need to be proactive. We do. But complaining about something on Facebook doesn't do any good. Oh, raising awareness. How about you get in the in the place of prayer that things can actually change. And talk to God about it. Offense, listen, offense is the posture of those in bondage. The reason why that we're so offended all the time is because we're in bondage ourselves. Let me read this story to you and we're going to, we'll shut her down. Luke chapter 7, it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus, whoa, went to his house. What? Jesus hated the religious people. No, he went to their house. He loved them too. He gave himself for them too. So Jesus, and, and again, when we talk about the fair, when we talk about the religious in Scripture, we're not talking about the church. The spirit of religion is owned by the world, not by the church. <clears throat> we just sometimes use it. So one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And a certain immoral woman came from that city and heard that he was eating there, and she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. This is immoral woman with an expensive perfume. And she knelt behind him at his feet, wiping her tears, wipe, wiping his feet. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead. like <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied, and then Jesus told him his story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other, but neither of them could repay him. 
So he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one who had canceled the larger debt, the 500 pieces of silver. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you did not offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she just washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. From the time I first came in, she had not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. And I tell you, her sins, oh, they are many. They've been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiven sins? And Jesus said to the woman, you are saved. Go in peace. See, the thing is, is we all have a bunch that we need to be forgiven of or that we have been forgiven of. A bunch.